back to the Sharing Hope Podcast, where we feature practical insights and spiritual principles to help you experience an abundant life at home and at work. It's Daniel Rundleman's goal to share hope and inspire action as you listen. You can also discover more insights online at www.thehope.network. Here's Daniel with a few ideas that will surely encourage and educate. Hello, friends. Recently, I celebrated my birthday. Now, that might not be exciting for you, but for me it was friends and loved ones and birthday cakes. Yes, it wasn't just one. It was more than one. And even more than that, it was getting to blow out those candles. You know, it feels so good to make a wish and just blow out the candles and hope that something's going to happen. Kind of like a genie in the bottle. And, and I knew this was going to happen for my party. I was thinking about what would I wish for if I could have anything, what would it be? And if you're like me, you've probably thought about that as well. And maybe it wasn't like a, a birthday candle wish, but you just wish things were better. You wish things were more peaceful. Maybe things went back to the way they used to be for you and sometime in the past. I remember as a kid, people used to say they wished for world peace. And I thought that was the weirdest thing. It was kind of hokey. Who would want world peace? Well, now as an adult, I get it. Okay. I think about that. And I look around and say, wouldn't it be great if we could all just get along? Inner peace has evaporated into outward turmoil. Everyone has their opinions and their posts and the pain and the pressure. Stress surrounds us. Sickness, virus, pandemic. Maybe I'm alone in this idea, but I don't think so. I think that it's kind of natural for us to often imagine the worst and think about how bad things are. You've probably wished or prayed or wondered at times. Why can't we have peace? Now, I will tell you that my birthday wish was kind of a disappointment. I didn't get world peace. Candles aren't magic, but I began to wonder at that time, how can we experience and live and walk in persistent peace? We know that God offers peace. You don't have to be a Christian to even know that. Other world religions teach that. Throughout the scriptures, uh, even God is called uh, Jehovah Shalom or Yahweh Shalom, or Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. The fruit of a godly lifestyle, the fruit of the Spirit lists love, joy, and peace as a way that believers and followers of Jesus should act. We've all heard stories of people who have been through horrible uh, experiences in life, and yet they were peaceful throughout those. And you probably know verses or sayings regarding peace. Jesus once said, my peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Another passage says, do not be anxious about anything, but through prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. These are great ideas, but how exactly do they happen? We don't have a genie in the bottle. We can't just snap our fingers and have perfect peace. And the birthday candles really don't work. God must have known that we would struggle here. Inner peace is so important, and he addressed this issue time and time again throughout the scriptures. And I think of one passage that has piqued my interest regarding this subject. It's kind of like a, a magical birthday wish. Isaiah 26, 3. Isaiah 26, 3. We'll park here for the next little bit and discuss this. The passage says, You will keep him in perfect peace, 
whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's Isaiah 26.3. The old prophet is saying that, you know, if you want to have perfect peace, just keep your mind on God. You just trust in God, you're going to have perfect peace. Or is he really saying that? Now, I have to admit to you that I have approached this passage totally wrong. I've approached this verse incorrectly. Kind of like a kid in a high chair, like a little baby getting that first piece of birthday cake and making a huge mess all over his face and all over the floor. I've been messy with this passage. I've claimed it. I've wished it. I've said it. I've prayed it. I've memorized it. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26, 3. I even took action on this verse. I thought, well, if I only focused on what God thought, then I'll have peace no matter what. Well, that didn't quite happen. Then I thought, well, maybe if I'm just more spiritually minded and I thought more about things on a spiritual esoteric plane, then in the physical world, I would have more peace. That didn't happen either. Uh, I thought, well, maybe if I can just obey more, I'll have more peace because God will keep me in perfect peace if I keep my mind on him, right? And and yet I, I said, well, I'm just going to obey more. I'm going to uh, surround myself with Christian music, Christian people, Christian books, Christian environments, but that did not lead to perfect peace either. In fact, even the disciples that were with Jesus didn't have perfect peace all the time. So what gives? How do we experience perfect peace? Let's dig a little deeper into this passage from Isaiah 26.3. Not just from the English, we're going to do something scary. We're going to just dive into the Hebrew of this verse to learn some secrets that have been hidden. Now, they've not been hidden from us. They've been hidden for us to discover. We can learn to imagine and experience God's perfect peace. Again, the verse says, Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now, in the Hebrew, this verse is a little bit shorter. I'll read this to you just from a simple online Hebrew word search that you can do from different Bible study tools. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Don't pretend to be. So don't take it like that. These are some simple definitions that you can find online totally free. So to read this in Hebrew, it says, Samuk Yetzer Tizor Shalom Shalom Ki Batuak. What does that mean? It sounds like a bunch of gibberish. That's okay. We're going to break it down each and every word here to learn exactly about this passage. It says in English, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. In the Hebrew, we're going to look at each of these words for the next few minutes. The verse for, let's start with the word to keep or tizor. It literally means to guard or to watch over. Now, it's interesting that this is written in a way that points to God being in perfect peace and not you or me being in perfect peace. It actually says that God is in perfect peace. He's keeping perfect peace. It's not that just that he is perfect peace, but he's always there experiencing it. He's doing it. That he is in perfect peace, not just you. This is important because we go through life of ups and downs and turmoils, and nothing catches God by surprise. Think of it this way. Perhaps you weren't feeling very well. You go to a website, you begin to do a symptom checker, and you say, oh my goodness, I've got the black plague, or I've got this horrible uh, sickness. You start to have uh, worry and doubt and fear, stress. 
You have no peace, so you go to the doctors. The doctors run some tests. The doctor looks at you and smiles and said, you are okay. Imagine how the fear and the worry disappears and relief comes because the doctor says you're safe. There's no need to worry. But doctor's calm and peace becomes your calm and peace. But doctor's reassurance becomes your assurance and you can know that you are okay. It's the same with God. When we're in crisis mode, God is not shocked. He stays in perfect peace. So this idea here of the Hebrew word about peace literally is telling us that God is staying in perfect peace. He's there in the perfect peace. You've probably heard the Hebrew word for peace before. That's the word shalom. It's a greeting in Israel. You say shalom when you say goodbye, when you say hello. Shalom is more than just peace, though. It also means wholeness, healing, safety, security. It's all of your needs. And what's interesting that in this verse, in this passage out of the ancient prophet Isaiah, chapter 26, verse 3, the word shalom is repeated twice. It says, Samuk Yetzer Tezor Shalom Shalom Kibatuak. Shalom Shalom. Why is Shalom repeated twice? Well, in Hebrew, there's no way to underline or highlight or italicize or bold words. Instead, for emphasis, the writers would simply repeat a phrase God is not just holy, He's not just holy, holy, He is holy, holy, holy. And God is not just in peace. He's not just staying in peace. He's in perfect peace. He's not just in shalom. He's in shalom, shalom. He is in perfect peace. He is perfect peace. And we can gain access to that. And we're going to learn how to do that in just a few minutes. We don't do it through being like a monk, by escaping the world, by just tuning into some spiritual idea. That's not it. You don't do it by music. Let me just listen to some Christian music or some hymns or some praise and worship and everything's going to be okay. And you don't do it by muscle of muscling your way there. We receive his peace as we are close to him, as we are open to him. And we're going to learn exactly how to do that in just a few minutes. And I think it is going to surprise you. God is in perfect peace. Just like General Patton would give a speech before a war, or maybe you saw the movie Braveheart. Remember that speech that Mel Gibson gave? Or how about uh, uh, the Independence Day movie right before the battle against the aliens? And the president gives this courageous speech. And and this, this peace, this courage is conveyed from the leader to the people. And that's what happens with us, that God is in perfect peace, and we are able to draw upon that. And notice it says here uh, in Isaiah 26, 3, it says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. The peace comes to our mind. It doesn't come to our emotions. It doesn't come to our heart. It doesn't come to our feelings. But we can imagine and experience God's perfect peace, and it begins with our mind. And the word for mind in the Hebrew is yetzer. And so this is kind of a play on words. It's very similar to the word for imagination. Very similar. It's It has this idea of a mind full of imagination. In Isaiah 26, 3, the word for mind is the word for imagination. And this is the root of all stress, worry, fear, and doubt. Your imagination. That is really one of your biggest enemies in this world. Many of us don't think about that. We think of an imagination as only for kids that are thinking of, you know, playing with their Barbie dolls or maybe Avengers toys. And yet 
The imagination is real today. I remember recently just walking out in my backyard, looking down, thought, thought I saw a snake. I jumped in the air, screamed like a woman, and looked down, and it was only a garden hose. I thought it was something else. My imagination told me it was something else. Same way with children who see monsters under their beds or in their closets. It's the same way when we hear of a stock market is going down. What's going to happen to our retirement? Or we hear about job cuts that are happening or a sickness that is being passed to other people, or a political uprising, or a politician that gets elected that we don't agree with, we begin to imagine the worst. We begin to imagine how bad things could be. And yet, God stays in perfect peace because his imaginations and his thoughts are higher and greater and better than ours. The verse in Isaiah 26.3, it says, He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. This word for keep is the word samuk. And it's, it's a similar to this idea of a mattress cover, covering over a mattress, protecting it. This is God's imagination covering us, that God is our peace. His peace can become our peace when we imagine and experience God's perfect peace. Let's go back to this idea of imagination and how you can take God's imagination, God's best, and you can apply it. You could cover your mind with it, just like you would cover a mattress with a mattress cover. From the Hebrew here, we could see how you can walk in perfect peace by imagining and experiencing God's perfect peace. And it comes again with reframing your reality. The Hebrew word for imagination, for mind here, is also similar to the concept of conception, to conceive an idea. Everything in this world was made twice. It was made once in the mind and then a second time in the world. Someone thought about an idea and then they created that idea. This is the imagination. When we picture life, life comes alive. This can be true for good things and it can be true for negative things. We are stressed out in the present often because we are thinking about what could happen in the future. To be spiritually minded brings life, but to be mindful about all the things of the world leads to death because we often think about how bad things could be. It's just natural, so we need to be supernatural. I mean, think about this. Do you normally imagine the worst in a situation or the best? Do you, do you allow stress to take over, or do you fall back upon good thoughts when something happens? We can conceive an idea in our mind, feel the emotions, and be totally excited or be totally stressed and negative about something. Many of our thoughts, many of our imaginations are actually vain. They're full of vanity. They're about the negative self, about loss. And we should not allow this to control us. Think about that. You, you receive a, a, a doctor's diagnosis and you begin to worry. Or you hear some bad news. You read something on social media. You watch a news channel and everything is negative or worse. And we imagine in our mind and we think that it's truth. Even the weather channel does this. We don't hear about just a little bit of a, a rainstorm or a snowstorm. No, we hear about the worst storm of the century. I have lived through so many storms of a century. I think that's going to be my new wish when I blow out my candles. My next birthday party is going to be I wish for no more storms of a century because I've lived through so many. Even the Weather Channel wants me to think about how bad things could be. And this is allowing my mind to have vain 
imaginations. It says in Romans chapter 1, it talks about people who, who act like they don't know God. They don't glorify God. They're not thankful. And it says that they are vain in their imaginations and foolish-hearted and their minds are darkened. I don't want to be described like that. I don't think you want to be described like that. You want to glorify God. You want to walk in joy, right? Don't you want to be thankful? But you cannot have an imagination that's full of vanity. The challenge is to put on the mind of Christ. The challenge is to think his thoughts, to have his imaginations, to imagine positive mental pictures. This is not just thinking positive is going to make everything better. It's allowing those negative imaginations to be replaced with God's best. In fact, we have to tear down those vain thoughts many times. This is true spiritual warfare. It doesn't happen out there against demons. It often happens right here in our minds against negative thoughts that exalt themselves over the knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that we are to cast down imaginations and everything that exalts itself over the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Casting down imaginations is an active idea. Anything that would exalt itself over the knowledge of God's best in your life does not need to be in your life. The high things that exalt themselves and say, no, it's going to be this way. Things are going to be bad or negative. You're never going to get better. It's always going to be like this. We need to cast down those negative, horrible imaginations that bring stress and take those thoughts into captivity. We'll talk for a few minutes about three ways to do that, and it's going to help you with your future. You see, when oftentimes we think about the future, when something happens, we can see down the road, we imagine however bad things are right now, we think it's going to be like that possibly forever, and, and we don't meditate on what God thinks about something. We don't think about what we want. It is just natural and normal to think about what we don't want. Isn't it sad that we spend more time thinking and talking about what we don't want in a situation or scenario than about what we do want, having a vision for our life, having God's vision for our life. In fact, God's name, yod heh vav in Hebrew, or Yahweh, it means to be. God said, I am that which I am, to be. To see with God's vision is to see even with his name, to be, to think about his best in your life. Vain imaginations are not God's best. Failure and bad experience is not what he wants for us. Imagination manifests here in the world. So what do you think about? Don't think about what you don't want. Think about what you want. But most people, again, they have stress and doubt and worry and fear and debt, and they talk about it, they think about it, and they get more of that. They glorify their problems instead of glorifying God and imagining how God is going to deliver them. So think about what you want. Hebrews 11.1 1 discusses this. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1, 1, it defines faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The substance of things hoped for is experiencing what you have imagined. Hope is imagination. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is the spiritual womb where imagination conceives. Hope brings into the world what you've imagined. Hope is imagination. It's positive imagination. See yourself. Imagine yourself 
and then experience it. We can imagine and experience God's best and imagine and experience God's perfect peace. In fact, we're going to look at three questions on how to do that exactly, that if our thoughts were his thoughts, we could actually do this and live this. Now, going back to the Hebrew of Isaiah 26, 3, the verse in English says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The word for trust or stayed here is batuach or batak. It literally is the word for glue in Hebrew or the word to weld something together. If a welder has two pipes and he welds them together, they'll never break at that point, but they've been welded together. They are glued, they are stuck, they are stronger together. When we trust God, when we have our imaginations welded to his, when we melt ourselves into his imaginations, into his thoughts, into our life, into our situation, when we believe and say things like, I believe that something wonderful is about to happen, then we are trusting God for greatness in our lives, and we are able to weld ourselves to him. We can imagine and experience God's perfect peace in our lives when we do that. That is now faith. It's putting on the mind of Christ, which is so very key. And again, I went about all of this wrong for many, many years. I prayed this verse. I thought about this verse, and I thought this verse told me that I will be given perfect peace. It's not what it says. The verse does not say that I'll be given perfect peace. It says, God is keeping watch over me in perfect peace, and then I can receive and experience that when I glue or overlay or weld my imaginations to his. When I take my imagination like a mattress cover and stick it over the, the mattress of his thoughts, of his imagination, then I can experience his perfect peace that he is in. I can have his vision. I can have his outlook on life because God's in perfect peace at all times. Now, this is a new idea for many of us to put on the mind of Christ. It says to put on the helmet of salvation, thinking how is God going to save me? How is God going to deliver me in this situation? I wonder how God is going to get the glory. 1 Corinthians 2, let me read just a few verses here. It says in verse 14 through 16, the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judge, judges all things. Yet he himself is not judged by man, for who has known the mind of the Lord? that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. It's not that we need to pray for it. We need to imagine it. Then hold it in our mind. Imagine and experience God's best. It's not out there somewhere. It's already here inside of us because it's coming from the mind of God. And the word of God comes alive when we imagine it, when we picture it happening, when we read what Christ did for people and understand that he's doing the same for us today. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace. God's in perfect peace. He's staying there. And when your mind is stayed on him, because you trust on him and you're glued to him, then you can experience that. Now, we have a way. It's three questions to look at in just a few moments here that will help us to imagine God's thoughts in any given situation. It's inquiry into our thoughts. It's not a formula or a wish. It's a principle to model, to imagine differently. 
So I want to encourage you to de develop the habit of seeing with eyes of faith, to begin to ask yourself, what is the best possible outcome? To allow faith to change, to work in your life, to imagine and choose to think differently. It's not just positive thinking. Don't, don't think that, okay? It's considering God's views and dwelling there. And what, what, what has helped me here is acknowledging, okay, I'm having a feeling of resentment. Is this God's best for me? Does, does this bring me stress or peace? And, and thinking about what I'm thinking about. Take some time to think about what you think about. And as you begin, your body begins to tell you tomorrow that you're stressed or worried or upset or angered or have loss, place those thoughts through the filter that we're going to talk about. Three specific questions to question the thought, to imagine God's best. Is this thought from God or not? Sometimes we have thoughts and they, they it's not from God, right? And so we need to kick those out. We need to cast them out. We need to. to allow ourselves to take those thoughts obedience. So three questions. Let's get into those. Number one, does this thought bring stress or calm? A am I made stressful or peaceful by having this thought? You have a thought that you're going to lose a relationship or lose a job or lose something that's important to you. Does that thought bring you stress or peace? Okay. Number two question is, who would you be without that thought? How would you feel if you never had that thought in the first place? How would you treat yourself if you never thought that? If you could never think that, how would you treat others? That's the second question. So the first question is, does this thought bring me peace or calm or does it bring me stress? Okay, so go ahead and acknowledge that. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my job. It probably is a pretty stressful thought. Okay, next question. Who would I be without that thought? Well, I'd probably work really hard. If I had conviction that I know I was going to keep my job forever, I would I would probably really want to impress those around me and be diligent with that. You know, I would treat myself better. I'd have a little more confidence in what I do. I wouldn't be worried and fearful. Who would I be without the thought that I'm going to lose my job? How would I treat myself and others? Think about that. Question number three is, how do I imagine God's best in this situation? How do I imagine God's best in this situation? Which could be, well, I'm going to imagine that I'm staying with this job. Or I'm going to imagine that I'm going to lose this job. God's going to take care of me, provide for me, and I'm going to have a better job in the future. I can imagine that if I lose my job today, that I'm going to be okay today, and I'm going to be okay tomorrow because God says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. There's so many promises throughout the scriptures that we could dwell upon and think about. I'm going to imagine God's best. It's to give God glory. Maybe I lose my job and I struggle for a while, and it's during that struggle that I learn lessons and I become more like Christ, and I go through uh, personal growth and development. That is God's best for me. God's best is joy. It's love. It's peace. It's abundance. It's healing. It's hope. It's patience. It's kindness. It's gentleness. It's self-control. You can imagine the worst and you can 
Ask these thoughts and turn it around to think the best. Reframe it. Three simple questions for perfect peace and life change. It's something that we all need. When we glue or move our thoughts, our imaginations over to God, we can have perfect peace. So does that thought bring stress or calm? Who would you be without that? And how do you imagine God's best in that situation? When life comes at you, when stress comes at you, worry or fear, question it. Don't just accept it. Yes, it may look real. It may feel real. Question those thoughts. Put them through this inquiry of these three questions. We all face challenges. Hope is positive expectation and imagination. Imagine and create a positive mental image and picture of yourself. And know that God will keep you in perfect peace as you do that. Isaiah 26.3 could actually say this. God is always at perfect peace. And we can experience this peace when our imaginations overlap his. How do you like that translation? Isaiah 26.3. God is always at perfect peace. And we can experience this peace when our imagination overlaps his. God offers this. You can imagine and experience God's perfect peace in your life today. I hope that you do, and I hope you take these three questions and you question your own thoughts and you experience the abundant life that God promises. Thanks for listening today. It's our goal to bring hope and inspire action so you can lead a lifestyle that matters. Thanks for listening to the Sharing Hope podcast with Daniel Rendleman. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram and at our website at thehope.network. On that site, you'll find articles and inspiration to help you lead a meaningful lifestyle at home or at work. That's www.thehope.network.